whenever I uh, go take uh, people on paddleboard tours, or ever I go paddleboard, if I have somebody who's never really done it before, I give them a little paddling lesson. And so, you know, we do that out on the ground. And one of the things I always tell them is, you know, once you're on the board, if you're paddling to on the left side, you're gonna, or on the right side, you're gently gonna go over to the left. And um, that's awesome if you want to go in circles. And uh, so who wants to go paddle boarding and go in circles? Anybody here want to do that? So that means you've got to switch sides. And so, um, so again, if you're, if you're paddling on the right side, um, you gently go to the left and you'll go in circles. If you paddle on the left side and all you do is paddle on the left side, you're going to go in circles. You've got to switch. So you kind of, since you know where your top hand's going, you replace your your bottom hand and stick your top hand back and so you have to go back and forth and um, I always tell them that if you know they can go in circles if they want but I'm gonna take them and lead them down a path and if they want to see the cool stuff then they're gonna have to switch sides they're gonna have to be able to, to in order to be able to follow they're gonna have to do more than paddle on one side and you know what it's the same way with God um, if, if you've heard the illustration, you see there's a rowboat, but God gave it to me again to go with this chapter here. But, you know, if this side right here is, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do, God? Um, have you ever been in a, in a phase of life where you're just continually just saying, what do you want me to do, God? And that's what you're doing. And you're not doing anything. Now, there are some things you know you're supposed to do, right? So you, anybody can do, what do you want me to do, God? And, and there's some things we know we're supposed to do because paddling on the other side is doing it. All right. But sometimes we get stuck in that rut. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And, and we aren't doing anything for him, but asking him and trying to figure it all out. But what are some things that we can do? You've heard me say before, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Right. And so what are some things that you know we're supposed to do? OK, we're supposed to pray. OK, what else are we supposed to do that we already know no matter what we can do? Praise him. Yeah, exactly. Praise him. And where do we get our material to praise him? Because like in the Psalms, he says, sing a new song to him. So where do we get our lyrics from? Yeah, we get it from the word of God. Where else do we get the lyrics from? Ah, Our experiences on a daily basis. Yeah, you get them from the word of God. You get them. Man, God's writing new lyrics every day. But you got to be looking down to be seeing those new lyrics. You got to be looking around to see those lyrics. You got to be seeing it from his perspective to be able to see those lyrics. What else are we supposed to do? We're supposed to be praying. We're supposed to be praising him. What else are we supposed to be doing while we're waiting on more specific directions? Making disciples. Yeah, making disciples, exactly. Taking what you already do know, doing it faithfully, and, and sharing the gospel with others. And um, you guys know I handed these out again today. And um, if you already have a few of these, that means you haven't given the ones out that you uh, already have to give out. And, and, and man, just be praying, looking for people to give these out to. And again, you guys know the yellow reminds us what? That we have a home where? In heaven. But what separated us from heaven is what this black reminds us of, which is our what? It's our sin. And the only thing that covers our sin is, is our good works now. As our church attendance, how much we give. No. What's the only thing that covers our sin, which is represented by the red? It's the blood of Christ. It's what Christ did on the cross. And that's the perfect sacrifice that God will always accept. But why didn't God take us to heaven when he saved us? Wouldn't it be awesome, Gary, to have no more pain right now? Have no more suffering, no more to, you know, be able to do what? Wouldn't you like to have a supernatural body right now, Gary? Dude, yeah, I would too, man. But the green represents why he left us here, and that is to grow 
more in love with him as we walk through life praising him and praying and, and making disciples and, and representing him. We grow more, as we live for him, we grow more in love with him. And what happens when we grow more in love with him? We grow more in love with others. And so we know, man, every one of you guys could share this. I could pick on you right now. And who could not share this right now? I promise I'm not going to pick on you. Come on, man. All right, so everybody could pick. Everybody could do it. That's right. You didn't believe me, did you? <laughs> but so the idea is, man, as we're going and we're like, what do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now? If that's all we're doing is what do you want me to do now, God? Man, we're going in circles. And there's so many things where so many times where or things we already know we can do to, to just do what he wants us to do. And it's only by moving forward. When I take people on a paddle tour and they're paddling on the right side going in circles, hey, Penny, what do they see? Nothing. More than, or even if there's something, they see the same thing over and over. How many of you say you go through a rut in life where you're seeing the same thing over and over again? Maybe it's because you're paddling on one side. You got to paddle on the other side. But now the flip side of that, I know a lot of people, even church people, I know pastors, I know churches, where they're doing for God. That's this side, if it's what do you want me to do now, God, this side is doing it. I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you, God. But again, hey, Matthew, what happens if all I'm doing is paddle on the left side? Going I'm going in circles. How many of you ever have ever experienced somebody, maybe not you, but somebody who was burned out on church? Burned out on being a Christian. Burned out on God. You know why? Because what they were doing was... I'm doing this for you, God. I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. And it was almost like futile and pointless because they were just doing stuff for God. But it wasn't what God wanted. It wasn't what God told them to do. It's what in their mind they said, OK, I've seen somebody else do this for God. Or back in the day, I did this for God. And it's like eating leftovers. Now, there ain't nothing wrong with leftovers. There is if you eat them every day. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if all you're doing is eating everybody's leftovers. But there are people that just simply are, what do you want me to do? This is what I used to do. This is what I've always done. This is what they're doing. Instead of the way you're supposed to be living this born-again believer's spirit-filled life. The spirit-filled life is so easy. It's what do you want me to do now, God? And you do it. Now there will be times, again, where you'll, he'll keep you paddling on this side. Maybe because you've got to make a big left-hand turn. Maybe he will keep you doing the same thing for a while. I'm doing this for you, God. But you know because you're asking him that you are doing it, and he's got a nice right-hand turn for you. But it won't always be paddling in circles, seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Now, when I take people on tours and we get going and they're paddling on both sides they'll start following me they'll 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 follow and and in when we go on tours we find all kinds of cool stuff right amy man uh, man one time we were on a tour with eden and his family and we were paddling and eating his family and we're going and i didn't know what amy had been praying for i didn't know anything about it i, I know we went through the i took him through the car wash trail who here's been down the car wash trail anybody been down the car wash trail ashley you've been down the car wash huh? Yeah, and uh, you guys went down the car wash trail. And so we were going down the car wash trail, went around to the limbo trail. And, and then I heard Amy way back there because she was going real slow. I thought it was just to get away from her kids, man, and, and eating and just to have some peace of mind. But she was focused. She was looking for something. And all of a sudden she's like, hey, come back here. Everybody come back. And I'm like, oh. 
Because we had to get that whole entourage turned back in a, in a space as big as a hallway. And so I'm like, she's like, come back here. And, she, and as we get closer, we're like, why? And she's like, there's an octopus. And I'm like, no, there is not an octopus. I've never seen an octopus back there. I wasn't really doing that bad. But uh, <coughs> I didn't believe you <laughs> at all. But she, I'm like, oh, she's got to be mistaken, man. And so we get back there. And guess what was there? An octopus, man. It was like, no way. And, um, but see, I passed that spot. Hey, I'm going here. I'm passing. What do you want me to do? I'm doing it. I'm, pa- I'm going down the trail. And I passed the spot. Did I see an octopus? Eden, did you see an octopus? Did Gabe see one? Did Jazzy see one? But Amy hanging out at the very end. What did you see, Amy? An octopus. And so, dude, I'm just telling you, as you're going down the trail that God's got for you, as you're saying, what do you want me to do now, God? And you may take two or three strokes on this side. What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now? What do you want me to do now? And he's saying this, boom, and it moves you back. As you're just listening and paddling on each side as he's telling you, you're on the same trail, you know, basically that everybody's on, right? In a general sense. But you see different stuff if you're seeing it from his perspective. And, dude, that's what discipleship is. Is, is Amy yelling back, hey, y'all, come here. And we come back and see something that everybody missed. And that's what happens in our life as we're seeing it from God's perspective. We each individually get to see different things in different ways. And what we're supposed to do when we get together is brag on God. And now let me ask you a question. Was it any coincidence was it just happenstance that Amy happened to be praying later when we got there? I'll never forget what she told me. She was like, she said, I was praying that we'd see an octopus. And she said, because that was Gabe's favorite, or Gabriel, her son's favorite sea animal at the time. And I was like, no way. That was even cooler than seeing the octopus. Because I have never, and you know what? I've never seen one back there again in that place. I've seen them up by the inlet, but never there. And she would pray. She said, man, I wanted Gabe to see an octopus. And I was like, no way. So was that just something that happened? Was that coincidental? No. No. You know what? It can be coincidence to you, but to me, it's Christ. You know what? It, it, for the world, things can be coincidence, but for me, they're Christ. Help me out. Every time I say you call it coincidence, I want you to say, but I call it Christ. All right, you ready? Every, you call it coincidence. Because as we go through Acts chapter 10, you're going to see a lot of things that the world would say, oh, that's a coincidence. Oh, that's a coincidence. And I don't want you to miss anything in God's sovereignty. It's a coincidence because the world may call it coincidence, but one more time, I call it Christ. And in order to see it, to see what God's got for you on that trail called life, you have to paddle. Read that last part for me. Okay. So whenever I say you call it coincidence, you say. And whenever I say you have to paddle, you say. Both sides of your board. Because you know what? Sometimes we even go through life where we don't even paddle, do we? You ever been in a, a situation in life where you're just like, I'm just going to go wherever it brings me, wherever the current drifts me. And you know what? Sometimes you may need to do that, but not for very long because <laughs> you don't know where that's taking you. And if it's taking you away from where you need to be, then you got to paddle that whole way back. So, man, others might call it coincidence, but I call it Christ. When I'm looking for what Christ is doing, I'm looking for what other people are calling coincidence. But I know I'm given the glory and credit for Christ. And I know that as 
the, as he's got me on this trail of life, if I'm continually paddling on both sides, man, I'm going to see things that are so supernatural that only he can get blamed. Man, I could go through, uh, man, starve things we see when we're out there paddling around. You know, just the glory of everything that's out there. Man, it's awesome. So let's go ahead and jump into Acts chapter 10, but let's make sure I got, you got your lines down, right? You call it coincidence? You have to paddle both sides of your board to be able to see those things the world calls coincidence, all right? So Acts chapter 10, we started it last week, and I'm going to bust through, I promise you, the first few verses, because some of you guys weren't here last week, and, and we sort of need to hear this first part to kind of get the idea of the, the rest of it. Um, it's in Acts chapter 10, verse 1, in Caesarea, uh, which is about 60 miles northwest of Jerusalem, there was a Roman army officer named Cornelius, okay? He was a captain of the Italian regiment. As a centurion, which the next verse, I believe, will tell us, it says he was a devout, God-fearing man, uh, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. So this guy... He was a, 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 a Gentile, and he got tired of the pagan religions of the day. He followed every bit of the pagan religion that was in his big sin city where he lived, and he was empty. Anybody ever follow what was supposed to fulfill you, and it didn't fulfill you? It was like a soap bubble. You chase after it, and once you get it, it pops. That's where Cornelius was, following the pagan religion of the day. And, and, and there were plenty of them where he was at. So he saw the next best thing. He saw Judaism where all of a sudden now um, he could follow the one true living God via the Jews. Now, they wouldn't let him become a true Jew. They wouldn't let him, you know, get circumcised. They wouldn't let him go worship in the temple. They wouldn't let him do a lot of different things, but they would let him worship and they would let him give money, all right? But look at this guy. He was devout. You would think he was a born-again believer by his lifestyle, but he was missing one thing. He was missing Christ. And so if you seek God with your whole heart, you're going to find him. And you're going to find Christ in that. So he was devout, God-fearing. That means that whenever he knew God wanted him to do something, he did it. Simple as that. That's what it means to fear God. God says, do it. It's like, I'd be an idiot not to do it. And you just follow Christ. You follow whatever you know to do. And it says uh, everyone in his household was that way. So he was teaching his whole family to follow the one true living Jehovah God. And it says he gave generously to the poor. He was given. He was a rich man. He's a centurion. He uh, was over 100 men in that area. So he's one of 60 centurions in that area running the army for Rome. And he was a wealthy man. So he's giving to the poor. Whereas in that day, most people didn't do that. 75% of the population in that area during Jesus' day, they were slaves. And, and so most people wanted to keep that socioeconomic status that way. They wanted the rich to be rich and the poor to be poor and everybody stay there. And there was no way out. But this man, because he was following Jehovah God, he was giving to the poor. And look at this. He prayed regularly to God. And so he was doing what he knew to do with the light that he had. So at that point, he was, what do you want me to do now, God? God said, give to the poor. What do you want me to do now, God? He said, teach this to your family. What do you want me to do now, God? Pray. So he prayed. And so as best as he can, he was moving forward with what knowledge he had from God. And he didn't have enough for salvation. And this is how God introduced Christ to the Gentiles. And he was a, the first Gentile to actually get this. And it goes on and it says, one afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming towards him. 
Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, your prayers, your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. In other words, what he's saying is he didn't earn anything from God by doing that, but what God saw was he saw a man seeking him. He saw a man looking for him with his whole heart. And when you seek God with your whole heart, you will find him. But again, like we talked about last week, most people seek God um, uh, at, like a bank robber seeks a cop. <laughs> most people seek God in, in, in one area of their life instead of the whole thing, which is what God's teaching. And this guy, with everything that was in him, he sought God with his whole heart and his whole soul. And so here the angel told him, and, and by the way, we were talking about the angel. The only reason it wasn't God himself is because he couldn't even hardly handle the glory of God in an angel. And in heaven now, dude, we're going to see God face to face, man. No angels, no nothing. We will have a super. That's why our supernatural body will be there, Gary. It's not so that we can pray it around in a speedo like you're looking forward to, or you know. <laughs> no, I'm just judging others by myself now. Bro. No, I'm sorry, but no, I'm really not. Please don't do. Do not let that scar you for life. All right, but <laughs> it's too late. They're seeing me and you right now in a speedo, right? So, anyways, but. It's not for that. We need that supernatural body so that we can see God face to face. All this dude could see was an angel, but he saw him as a lost man because he was seeking him with his whole heart. And so <coughs> now um, the angel told him, send some men from Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with Simon a Tanner who lives near the seashore. Now, when you're seeking God with your heart, he's going to give you some commands that are kind of off the wall. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, he's going to do things that you would never expect, ask you to do things that he would, you would never expect him to ask you to do in your wildest dreams. But if you are saying, what do you want me to do now, God, and you're doing it, guess what you're going to do? You're going to do it. But how about this? What do you want me to do now, God? Oh, no, not that. What do you want me to do now, God? Oh, not that. What do you want? Oh, I'll do that one. You're still going in circles. It takes asking him what he wants you to do and the obedience to do it, even if it makes no sense at all. How many of you are in the middle of something right now that you know you are doing from God, but to all of your saved or unsaved family and neighbors and friends and people who don't know that you're, you know, they don't have faith. They think it is the most ludicrous, off-the-wall thing in the world. You don't even understand it. Anybody? Yeah. Kevin, raise your hand. <laughs> I've, heard, I've seen your wife's post, bro. It's just, she writes that every day. No, I'm just saying. Dude, is that not where we're at? If you're truly walking by faith, you're not walking by sight. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God has created us to please him. So he's continually having to give us situations in life that require faith. And if it requires faith, we can't walk by sight. We can't have it figured out. We just go with it. And, and we trust him with it. And so that's what happened with Cornelius. Look at this off-the-wall thing. He had a vision. He said, now, send some men to Joppa to summon a man named Simon Peter. Simon Peter was the head Jew. Every, this is 10 years after Pentecost. Everybody knew Simon Peter. Dude, he was throwing down with Pharisees and with Sadducees and the Sanhedrin and preaching. Everybody had heard about how rough and tough and awesome Peter was now that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And so this Gentile is called to go and talk to a Jew, which is unheard of because Jews are, they looked at Gentiles as dogs. 
cut, get, if, ew, if I stepped on Gentile land, man, throw those shoes away. Utensils, I don't use that kind of stuff because Gentiles add it. I mean, that's how far the division was in this. And so God tells him to go to a Gentile. Or go to, go to Simon Peter, this Gentile to go to Simon Peter. And he's staying with Simon, a tanner. Now, wait a minute. What's a devout Jew doing with, with dead bodies, which is what a tanner is around? He's a taxidermist. He's dealing with nothing but dead bodies. So all of this doesn't make sense. I'm supposed to go to a Jew that hates me. I'm supposed to now go to this Jew who's like living in a house with dead animals. This doesn't make sense. And he's by the seashore. And he's never going to see me. He's never going. How many of you have ever said, uh, what do you want me to do now, God? And God says to do it. And you're like, uh, that's not going to work. What do you really want me to do, God? And he tells you again, no, that's not going to work. Anybody ever been there? And you fight him and you fight him and you fight him, telling him, no, that's not going to work. You come up with every excuse in the world. Dude, that's what I loved about preaching to children. I got a chance to be a children's pastor before this for six and a half years. And you know what happens when you tell children what the Bible says? Dude, they are on it. They're like, oh, really? I can have that? Yeah! They charge hell with a water pistol. You know what most adults do? Not you guys. You're different. But most adults, you know what most adults do? The whole time I'm saying, dude, you just got to trust them at faith. Here it is. Adults are thinking in mind, okay, now with the interest rates and with, you know, you know, the turmoil in Korea and, you know, all these, you know what, this isn't going to work. With my mortgage, with my retirement plan, with my, you know, dude, we just did, th this isn't going to work. They're trying to figure out, most adults, not you guys, but most adults are trying to figure out how to kind of smooth and tone this down so it doesn't change your lifestyle too much. Dude, kids are like, yeah! But guess what? God told us to have faith like a what? Exactly. Quit trying to figure it out, because if you got to figure it out, it don't take faith. And you can't please him with that. He's only pleased by faith. It's the only thing he ever bragged on a human for, Jesus did while he was here, was people who had faith. <laughs> so this guy, got, he got hit up with a uh, pretty unreasonable request, but he didn't say, no, this ain't going to work. He just said, here we go. <laughs> here, watch this. And <laughs> he starts going for it. And so guess what this guy does? As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a, uh, and a devout soldier, uh, one of his personal attendants, and told them what had happened and sent him off to Joppa. Dude, you know what that is? What do you want me to do now, God? What do you want me to do now, God? All right, I got it. And then I'm doing it. I'm doing it. And guess where he's going? Is he going in circles? No, he's moving forward. And so he's the one who's going to get to see all the stuff God has laying before him in life. Man, would you rather be seeing new stuff? Would you rather be, man, experiencing just unreal supernatural things or paddling in circles? Now there's some of you like, dude, I'm all right with this circle. This circle's all right. I'm just telling you, you're missing it. You have no idea what's out there. I love taking people on paddle tours. And, and once I show them, in fact, I was hoping Cynthia and them would be here today because I took, I took her and Troy out and uh, <coughs> took them out and uh, showed her a, a starfish. And I was like, oh, yeah, look, see that little puffy white thing? That's a starfish print. And there's a starfish in that one. Not that one, but that one. And so ne next week she takes her friends out. And guess what? She, she showed them how to find starfish. She was like, oh, yeah, man, I feel like such a pro. I showed them starfish, and we found starfish. And that's disciple-making, teaching others to do what God has shown you to do. And, and that's what we do. Now, I'm not saying I was making disciples by teaching her starfish, but I'm using that as an illustration. You know what I'm saying? 
And so, man, this guy, what do you want me to do now, God? And he did it. What do you want me to do now, God? And he did it. And he kept moving forward with that. He sent him off to Joppa, said, whatever. And instead of just paddling in circles saying, no, that's not going to work. No, I'm going to keep bargaining with God. Have you ever bargained with God? Have you ever in your prayer life said, okay, I'll, um, you know, I'll, I'll take this. I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you this much, but how about we negotiate this other part of the deal here? We switch just this little part. God, I'm all in if you'll, if you'll come to my side just a little bit and you'll make this instead of this. I'm all in. You know, you ever been there? That's not what he's looking for. That's not faith. That's not love. That's negotiation. And you are not qualified to negotiate with God Almighty, regardless of how good you are at selling scissors that crush cars. Ah! <laughs> That's so cool, man. Uh, one day I want to go on a road trip with you. And I probably, well, I can't promise I'll be quiet, but dude, I'd so love to be on a road trip and just see what, go with you to all those junkyards in Louisiana, man. And we'll eat gas station food the whole way, man. Uh, he won't you. <laughs> oh, no, I'll, it'll be so cool. So, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> this guy, Cornelius, he told him, he, he told these guys, hey, man, I'm just telling you, an angel came, said this, this, go, go to Joppa. All right. So was it any coincidence that, that the angel came to Cornelius' house? No. Who was it ordained by? It was by God. You call it coincidence. I call it Christ, man. Nothing in your life is coincidence. Nothing in your life happens on accident. Everything there is planned by God. And I'm going to tell you for what reason. It's for your good and God's glory. If you want to try to figure out why it's there, if you want to really figure out why it's there, it's for your good and for God's glory. And I can show that to you scripturally, but just trust me. He's put it in your life for him to receive glory and for you to be closer to him. That's the good that comes out of it. Verse 9, the next day as Cornelius' messengers we're nearing the town. Look at this coincidence. Peter just happened to go up on the flat roof to pray. And it was about, it was about noon. <clears throat> and Peter was hungry. But while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. Remember last week we talked about, uh, what did God use to speak to Peter? You remember? He used food because Peter was hungry. All right, And so he fell into a trance. And he saw an open sky, something like a large sheet was being lit down, four corners. And uh, in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Now, Ferna, you'd be good if the animals were coming down, all your favorite food. But the reptiles and the bird, you know, the reptiles and the, yeah, uh, there were snakes and lizards, all kinds of, there was every kind of food there, favorite and non-favorite food. And it was all coming down to Peter, who was a devout Jew. And it said, a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat this stuff. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared pure or unclean. So God was trying to change something in Peter. Again, if you seek God with all your heart, you say, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to eat unclean things. What do you do? Yeah, yeah dude, you go to Haiti with me, dude. I promise you we'll buy some goats and pigs. And on Sunday morning, at Sunday morning, right, Emily? Uh, you'll hear this. And it's not a person. It's just them butchering a goat with a butter knife. All right. And um, they put them down pretty quick. And then they take some time. But, dude, on Sunday morning, what do we always have for breakfast on Sunday morning? Goat head soup, dude. And I, no, no, dude. I am telling you, 
Those of you who like need, you know, the whole appealing thing and it has to be something you've tried. Those of you who are nice, but you are going to miss it. You will not get to eat goat head soup till you go to heaven. And, um, and, and then you'll appreciate it. And, and yeah, most Americans get freaked out by little squiggly things. And so it's like a <laughs> like an orange kind of squash type broth with goat head. They boil it all up in there. They take the bones out, but the brains and all that other, that sweet cheek meat's all in there. And, and so usually in the bowls, the American kids will be grabbing the squiggly things, the American, not even adults, and they'll be giving it to me under the table, put in my bowl, because they just don't want to eat it. And they don't know what they're missing. And so, so what do you want me to do now, God? Go on a mission trip with me. Eat it. <laughs> what do you, or if you're just, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do now? No, you'll get headaches and you'll get sick because it all have to be American. They don't even chop up chicken the same way we do, dude. It's like, you'll be, what is this? I'm like, well, it's a, it's a lake thigh breast. <laughs> and you'll be, you know, and yeah, it's a piece of everything there. You know, it doesn't have to be the way we do it. But that's what God was showing Peter here. Peter, his whole life, dude. Man, we're Jews. We have it down, what we can eat, how it's got to be cooked. We got a God in a box. And you know what? When Jesus came, he took God out of the box. And God has not been put in a box again. We have a Holy Spirit that lives in us and shows us what to do in every given situation. So every moment of every day in life, you can be, what do you want me to do now, God? And you can do it. You already know what to do. Do it and be asking him, what else do you want me to do? What You want me to keep doing this? He says, yes, keep doing it. And you can then go and explore the path that God has really set for you in your life. But if you're going in circles, you're going to miss it. Peter, man. Peter, I'm a devout Jew. God, what do you want me to do with it? He said, kill it and eat it. No, God. What do you really want me to do? No, I want you to kill it. And look what happens. He goes on and he says, but the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God made it clean. And he was really talking about people. He's talking about Jews. He was talking about Samaritans and Gentiles. He said, all y'all are unclean. The only reason you're clean is because I now made, said you were clean. Before I said the Jews were clean. Now I'm saying Samaritans are clean. And now I'm saying Gentiles are clean if they have Christ. So don't call something unclean if I have made it clean. And he was using food as an example because Peter was hungry. And so the same vision, here he goes. How, how many of you have ever had God to have to tell you something more than once, Tom? You ever have to have God tell you something more than once? Yeah. And, and, and the same vision was repeated how many times? Three times. What do you want me to do now, God? Eat the food. No, what do you really want me to do now? But God, I don't like squiggly brains. No, I don't like lizards. God, I don't really like lobster. And he's like, and then finally he's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. <laughs> Don't you like that word perplexed? They say, everybody say that, perplexed. Perplexed. <laughs> yeah, dude. What a cool word, perplexed. It even sounds, it's like, it sounds like you should be perplexed when you even say it. Perplexed. Where do they even get that from? I'll have to look that up. But Peter was very perplexed. He was kind of like, what the heck is going, what was that about? Maybe I am just starving and, and I needed some food. Oh my goodness. Maybe I was hallucinating. What could this vision mean? And you know what? It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to, to, to say, God, what, what are you really trying to do? It's okay to keep saying, what was that again? God, can you clarify it a little more? God, I really don't understand what it means. But look at the next word, just then. Hey, do you see a coincidence coming about? Some people call it coincidence. Yeah, just then. Can you imagine? Just then. Oh, my goodness. Just then. Who would have imagined just then something was going to happen? 
Because the world's like, oh, a coincidence. But when you believe in a sovereign God who rules this universe without mistake, perfectly, when he rules this universe, and nothing has gone on, even in London last night, nothing went on that God didn't already know was happening and hasn't ordained in his plan. That doesn't mean we understand it, but it's all according to his plan. He's not freaked out about a bit of it. So who's the best one for us to ask when we are perplexed? <laughs> Yeah, so when I'm perplexed, man, I'm, I'm going to him. And so he said, what could this vision mean? And God, how many, Keone, he hasn't really started talking, but Abel, has he ever asked the same question a bunch of times to you? Yes. Yeah, and, and have you ever been like annoyed by that? And like, I already told you, you get annoyed with your kids ever? Come on, man, I know y'all are as close to perfect parents as there are, but, you know, but have you ever been annoyed? Like, Inside, you're like, I mean, we don't say the S word, but you're like, shut up. No. <laughs> it's like, I've already answered this. Penny, you ever been there with your kids? Like, oh my goodness. But you know what? Our Heavenly Father never gets tired of us asking. In fact, you know what? Sometimes He kind of holds back the info so we will ask. Unlike us as sinful parents that have an attention span and have, have the patience, you know, we're pretty good when it comes to our kids, but it's not like our Heavenly Father's patience. We can ask and ask. Is he ever tired of hearing from us? No, he even creates situations that cause us to have to go to him just so he can hang out with us. Do you see that? God just wants, Amy, God just wants to hang out with you. That's why he keeps doing situations. So if you're like, God, why does he keep doing that? Because he wants to hang out with you, so hang out with him. And you'll start to see it from his perspective and it'll all be good, man. <clears throat> Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then the men sent, just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Imagine that. Right as Peter was having this vision, wondering what does this all mean, all of a sudden, just by happenstance, by circumstance, by coincidence, no, some call it coincidence. All of a sudden, these men from Cornelius, from Jop, from, from where Cornelius was uh, from, uh, came down to Simon's house and they were standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Uh, well, are you seeing a coincidence? Meanwhile, as Peter, Peter didn't know they were down there. He was now puzzling. So he was not only perplexed, but he was puzzled. <laughs> There's a tongue twister. He was puzzling perplexed. <laughs> he was like, man, he was as confused, like, dude, I don't know what to do with this and I'm really kind of messed up. But just at that perfect time, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Oh, great, something else. But no, look what happens um, in this. He said, get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So you know what, Peter, what we could have probably done? What do you want me to do now, God? Um, oh, there's three more people. That, I'll, I'll go get to them as soon as I figure this out on my own. As soon as I figure this one problem out, I don't need to add any more to it when the solution was right there. Man, I don't know about you, but sometimes that's where I'm at. I'm up to here with stuff that I don't have figured out. And, and, and God's trying to show me through other things, but I'm too into myself. And it's just like, nope, I'm isolating. I'm putting me and God in a phone booth. And, and until he straightens all of this out, I'm not going anywhere else and dealing with anything else. But that's not how God works. God has orchestrated all these things in your life to, to, to help you figure out what's going. To get, he's on a journey. And so in this, he said, get up, go downstairs. Peter could have said, no, I'm not. Not till you tell me what this means. And God's up there going, I'm trying to tell you what it means. 
no, not till you tell me what it means. He said, go. So, but look what happened. Go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, I have sent them. And that's all Peter had to know was this is of God. And that's all we have to know is that this is of God, whatever comes into our life. So if Peter went down and said, the man you're looking for, why have you come? Or he said, I'm the man you're looking for, why have you come? And probably expecting a whole other set of circumstances to come about. He had no idea, really, it was an answer to his puzzling perplexment. Is perplexment a word? No, I just made that one up. <laughs> All right. His perplexed puzzlement. I don't know. You guys helped me out with that one. But he was perplexed and puzzled, dude. That's a bad way to be. All right. They said... Oh, look at this. Look at the happenstance here. Look at the coincidence. They said, uh, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer. He's a devout, God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so he can hear your message. <laughs> now, Peter's like, message? What message? I just had a message, and I don't know what that one means. Now you want me to give you a message? They're like, hey, dude, all I know is we were sent here to hear your message. So Peter invited the men in to stay for the night. And the next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. You know how messed up that verse is right there? When the Jews and Gentiles would not be even near each other, for Peter, the head Jew, to invite these Gentiles to come and stay the night with him. I mean, man, this just didn't happen. And then Peter brought a bunch of Jews with him, with these Gentiles, to go to Joppa. To see these other Gentiles, they just broke every church rule there was, every religious rule there was. But you know how they did that? Did they do it from reading the church discipline doctrine? Did they read it? Do it by uh, by, by reading the bylaws? Did they read it by by going back in church history? Did they? You know what they did? They were like, "What do you want us to do now, God?" And they did it. What do you want us to do now, God? And they did it. And that's how God was able to give them the instructions that they needed to pull this off. Because God was bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. So there they all go. Imagine what the people were saying. Oh my goodness, First Peter's staying with a bunch of dead bodies in a taxidermist place. Oh, he's of the devil, I guarantee you. And so here he is, he's, he's there, Peter's going. Now he's got a bunch of other Jews he's misleading. And they're going with Gentiles. And they're going, man, what are they doing? He said, I, he's not right no more. He's not right with God. So that's where they could have been. But little did they know that he was saying, what do you want me to do now, God? And he was doing it. Was it any coincidence that those guys showed up right at the same time Peter was praying? No. Look how God's timing is so magnificent. How many of y'all miss God's timing because you just weren't listening? Man, I think one of the things we're going to cry about in heaven is we're going to see how many opportunities we missed how we could have been so blessed by just simply stepping out in faith and doing what he's asked us to do. And I don't want to miss those, man. I, I want to look at every encounter I have as a special encounter, as, as a secret ops mission, a special mission that God has designed for me. I don't want to waste anymore. So here it is. They arrived in Caesarea the following day. Again, that's about 60 miles northwest of Jerusalem, up on the beach in the big sin city. Cornelius was waiting for them, and he had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius is like, dude, I know Peter's coming, and he brought together a whole bunch of more Gentiles in this. And Peter entered his home. Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But look what Peter said. Peter pulled up and said, stand up. I'm a human being just like you, just in case you were thinking that St. Peter was something special. 
Look what he says. Stand up. What did he say? I'm a human being just like you. If you think you're going to come to the pearly gates and check in with St. Peter, you are mistaken. Because St. Peter's a human just like me. The judge of the living and the dead is Jesus Christ. And so Peter said, man, stand up. I'm a human being just like I'm one beggar trying to show another beggar how to find a piece of bread, man. It, we just had a hurricane, and I found out where they're selling generators. You need one? It's over in the Walmart parking lot. There it is. I'm just helping you out with what I was helped out with. That's Peter, and that's who any saint is, someone who's found something from God and wants to share it with others. So they talked together, went inside where many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it's against our Jewish law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this and associate with you. In other words, he's saying, you know what's going to happen when they find out about this in Jerusalem? <laughs> you know what's going to happen when everybody starts talking? He said, but I don't care. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And I'll tell them that too. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me why you sent me. Why did Peter come without objection? Because God told him to. Man, you know what? I love to answer people when they say, why did you do that? Or why didn't you do that? You know what's my favorite answer? Because that's what God told me to do. Or God didn't tell me to do that. What a simple lifestyle if that can truly be the truth about us. And that's what I really want to be said about me. That's what I really want when, when people want to know, why did I do that? Why would you do this? Why you? Because God told me to do it. And if I'm wrong, he'll direct me. He'll change me. But I at least want to be given God a, vi a viable shot. Now, how, how does that happen? Okay, do I just kind of like, oh, you know what? What do I want to do? Okay, what sounds like the religious thing to do? I'll do this. How do we really find what God wants us to do? What were some of the things we already know we're supposed to be doing? Praying. Let me ask you something. When's the last time you spent an hour, one hour in undivided attention with God praying? When's the last time you spent three hours in this day and age where we're being bombarded by our cell phones and everything? When's the last time you spent three hours in prayer? When is the last time you spent a whole 24 hours on your face before God, fasting and praying and thinking about nothing but what you need an answer for? You, can I tell you that that's what these first century Christians did? I can't help it that we've made ourselves schedules or slaves to our schedules. We can't do that. But imagine, you know what James, the apostle James, who is Jesus' brother, you know what his nickname was? Old Camel Knees. <laughs> oh, Fernandy, how'd you like that? Terry comes in, hey, old Camel Knees. <laughs> no, you're not even close. But I mean, to James, that was, a, that was an encouragement. That was a compliment. Because he was always on his knees praying. Man, we're lucky to slow down for 10 minutes, aren't we? Man, most people can't even stand to be in silence. they got to have something playing, something in their hair, something going on. How are we hearing from God when we're hearing from all this other stuff? And yet we do these things. What do you want me to do now, God? Oh, yeah, I feel like it's this. Boom. And, and, and I'm, well, God will speak that way. But man, you really want to know what God wants? Try fasting. Try fasting. And not to lose weight or anything, but fasting, and you can fast anything. And when you have that physical desire for that thing you're fasting from, that's when you say, God, I'm surrendering this physical thing because I need something spiritual. And he'll give you that because you're surrendering that to him. But man, man, when's the last time we sought God like that for a solution? 
Instead of like, I think sometimes it's like I paddle against the wind. What do you want me to do now? I'm doing it. What do you want me to do now? I'm doing it. You got to hit me in the head with a brick to make me believe it's something else. Instead of really just spending some quiet time. How much time do you spend in the word with him in the morning? How many mornings do you spend time with him? How about evenings? How much time? You know, we're supposed to tithe, right? And I'm not even talking about money. We tithe our time, our talent, and our treasure. 24 hours in a day, I, I don't even know what 2.4 hours looks like, but, but when's the last time you tithe 2.4 hours to God a day? Man, do you think you could gain anything by that? Do you think there would be any benefit to doing that? Do, we think, do you think we waste that much even at night watching TV? I'm not trying to meddle or nothing. I'm just saying. And this is the Holy Spirit saying this junk. I wasn't planning this. This is God, not junk, but God's, God's, God's got this coming out of my mouth, and, and guess what? It's hitting me and coming right back at me right now. Because I think a lot of times, God, we feel like God's lucky if we do say, what do you want me to do now, God, and we do it. But man, I think it might be time we start spending more time really finding out what God wants us to do. So as soon as I came without objection, as soon as I was sent for, now tell me why you sent me. He didn't even have to know why he was coming. He just knew he was supposed to go. Cornelius replied four days ago, I was praying in my house, oh, wait, 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 look at this coincidence, about the same time. <laughs> Some call it coincidence. I call it Christ, but you got to be paddling on both sides of the board. Let's try that one again. But I gotta, you got to be paddling because if all you're doing is saying, God, what do you want? What do you want? You're going in circles. All you're doing is doing, doing, doing without finding out what God wants. You're going in circles. It's when you're paddling on both sides of the board that you see what people call coincidence as Christ. Four days ago, I was praying in my house about this same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Imagine how stoked he was. How many of y'all ever had stuff like that happen to you? I get to hear your stories, and you call me, you're like, oh my goodness, guess what? And I'm stoked too, because I know God's working. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes, and he wasn't on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> it wasn't on TV. I was trying to think. Dazzling clothes. Uh, yeah, when I read that. Uh, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. <laughs> I would have probably explained an angel a little different. But he said, Cornelius, your prayer's been heard. Your gifts of the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa. Summon a man named Simon Peter. He stayed at the house of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So I sent for you at once. That's all I know. And it was good of you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God to hear the message of the Lord that the Lord has given you. No pressure, Peter. <laughs> All of a sudden, you guys get home to your new neighborhood, Terry, right, and Fernanda, and all your neighbors are waiting at your doorstep, and they're like, hey, God told us to show up, and we are waiting to hear what God has to tell us through you. No pressure, right, Terry? Terry gets up, <clears throat> excuse me, brothers and sisters. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we're all to do as disciples. What if there was somebody waiting to hear? What if the waitress at the restaurant, what if the guy who when you were texting and, and you didn't see them stop, the guy you ran into, you know, and you get out and they're like, we're wet. man, God hit, made you hit me on purpose. What does he have to say? Yeah, I'm just saying, every encounter we have, God has set up. And what have you got to say? What would you say? You know what I'm telling you? Keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is Jesus. And look what happens here. Now, we're all here waiting to hear what you got to say. Verse 34, Peter replied, I see very clearly that God has shown no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what's right. Do you get that? That's characteristic of somebody who's born again. 
It doesn't matter what nationality, what race you are, what anything you are, but the goal, the object of a born-again person is somebody who fears God, doing whatever he wants, and they do what's right. They're like, all right, God, you want me to do this? I'm doing it. That is a born-again, spirit-filled person. The spirit-filled life is simple. What do you want me to do now, God? And do it. That's it. And he will blow you away and lead you. Kevin, Kevin is a pastor, and Kevin is a connector. Kevin, is that not what you do all day? Where do you want me to go now? And I do it. How many weird places have you ended up in? Every moment of every day, it's like if you get a phone call from Kevin, you never know where he's at, what he's doing, who he's met, right, Heather? It's, it's a journey because that's how God's kind of wired him. But he's one of the people that I know that just kind of looks at every situation in life as something God has set. Every person he encounters is someone God has called him to encounter. You know, JJ, my son-in-law, he's probably downstairs with the kids right now. Maybe, is that where he's at over there? Okay. Um, JJ. JJ works for Kevin. They have a marketing company. You know how that all got hooked up? Kevin came to a small group on Tuesday night, Taco Tuesday at Ferentina's house. And he came and he never came again after that. JJ came that night and never came again. But they met that day. That night they talked. And next thing I know, they've got a, they've got a marketing company. And, and well, he's already gotten, JJ's working with him. And, and it, the rest is history. Do you think that was an accident? Some call that coincidence. Ashley, what do you call it? I call it Christ. But that's the way we got it. Peter's like, okay, well, here it goes. The, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all. That's it. Look at this. This is the message of good news. Here's what the good news is, that there is peace with God through Jesus. When we are sinners, we are an enemy to God. We are God's enemy because he's the ultimate clean freak. And through Jesus, who is the only clean human being, he has now made us to be able to have peace with God. And that's the good news. The only way you can have peace with God is through what Christ did on the cross. He says he is Lord of all, so what he said goes. And there's no negotiating with that. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after John the Baptist began preaching his message of baptism. You know how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the Holy Spirit, with power. Then Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed with the devil, for God was with him. And I promise next week I won't preach a whole chapter, all right? I promise that God just had, you got to see this whole chapter, and we're almost done. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but... God raised him to life on the third day, then God allowed him to appear. That's the answer. God, through resurrection power, Jesus raised himself from the dead. You can have that in you when you accept him as your Lord and Savior. Not the general public, but to us who God has chosen in advance to be witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So I'm telling you firsthand, I saw all this stuff, guys. And he ordered us to preach everywhere. Who, does, who is us? Hey, Alice, who's us? That's you, man. Hey, Matthew, who's that? Who's us? Everybody. Yeah, Tom, who's us? Yeah, and who are you supposed to preach to? Everybody. Everybody that God lets you encounter. And has God created special circumstances in your life so you can have special encounters? Hey, Carol, God hook you up with people that he ain't going to hook nobody else up with? Yeah, absolutely, every day. We call it weird, but God, we call it, but God calls it ordained. God takes us and we have special encounters with people so that we can preach this gospel everywhere and to testify what? The one meth, Terry, you come home and they're waiting there at your doorstep, man. 
tell us what God has to say. He's going to say, oh, Fernanda has it. <laughs> Ferna has it. But tell him what, there you go. You got the card, man. You got something to say right here. That's the gospel. But look what he says. Testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be judge of all the living and the dead. And he has made peace with God for all of us who would accept him. That's the bottom line. And so that Peter, he didn't get caught by surprise. He's got one message, and the one message is the gospel. He's the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes or puts their faith and trust in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. This is when Cornelius and all the Gentiles received Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have that happen to you when you get saved. In fact, in Corinthians, it says that what happened here was a sign for the Jews. Jews have always needed a sign. In fact, this is the last time in Acts we're even going to see this happen. And so what happened was he did it when the Jews got saved. He did it when the, the Samaritans got saved. And now he's doing it when the Gentiles get saved. Now, when you give your life to Christ, you receive all the Holy Spirit that, you, that is possible. But what happens after this is that, is that as you surrender your life, you experience him more and more and more. As you, as you say, what do you want me to do now, God? Can you do what God wants you to do, Penny, without his power? Can you do it in the flesh? No. That's like paddling deep. What do you want me to do, God? And then you're like Fred Flintstone in with your other paddles when you do it in the flesh. No, dude. In fact, when you do what God wants you to do and his power's on it, buddy, man, there's power in that. You can't do what God wants you to do any other way. So the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to this message and the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift. Now, they weren't amazed that these guys were speaking in tongues. Look what they were amazed at. That the Gentiles, these dirty, nasty people that we don't even want their dirt, their utensils, these dirty, nasty people could have the Holy Spirit. And I'm okay with that. Because when you're all in one accord, you're in one accord. And when you're full of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And they're like... Dang, I'm loving these Gentiles, and I've hated them my whole life. What's going on? The, they were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles, too, that they were saved. They now had the same relationship with God. They had the same relationship with God that, that the Jews had. That blew them away, and it was evidenced by the power of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just knowledge. It wasn't through Abraham. It was by the power of the Holy Spirit. For they had heard them speaking other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, and we're almost done, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they've received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. And so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. And, you know, there's a good point right there that when you are born again, um, you like to have fellowship with other people who are born again. You love the body of Christ. You love other people who are in your family. And even John talks about that. He said, you say you love God, but you don't love people, man. He said, you don't love God. And we, we, if we don't love anybody, we should love everybody, but it's so through the New Testament that we love our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, if, if I have a problem with Matthew, Matthew, you got the Holy Spirit in you, right? That's why we call you Matthew, not Matt. He says, that's my after Christ name is Matthew. That's why I don't call you Matt. And so Matthew, you're born again. You got the Holy Spirit. I got the Holy Spirit. If you and I don't see eye to eye, is that the Holy Spirit disagreeing between us? 
No, the Holy Spirit's in unity. What, what's the problem? Yeah, it's going to be you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, yeah, no, you're right. Isn't that how we deal with it? It's him. No, it's usually both of us. Proverbs says only by contention comes, comes fighting and strife, strife and arguing. Only by contention comes, or only by pride comes contention and strife. It's pride, me wanting what I want, you want what you want, and it's not the same thing. And it, neither one of us are having what the Holy Spirit wants. And it's not until we both surrender that we have it. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you know why we're not supposed to sue each other? That he wrote about that, and he said we're not supposed to sue each other because we shouldn't have to have a, a judge, an unsaved judge, tell us what to do. We have the judge inside us, and if we'll just surrender, then we don't have to worry about it. And so in there, he, they all wanted to stay together. So in this, they got baptized. Uh, this is uh, now everybody in the world can get saved, the Jews, the Samaritans, the Gentiles. But here's the point of it all. You call it coincidence. I call it Christ. Don't miss what God's doing today. If you're at the salad bar at Ruby Tuesdays and there's no artichoke hearts, man, don't call it coincidence. Call it Christ. Figure out what God, why God has done that. Maybe he wants to broaden your taste buds and your horizon. Maybe so you'll have an encounter with the person who's filling it and say, excuse me, ma'am, I love you dearly because I'm a Christian and there's no artichoke hearts. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't know how you're going to deal with it. Whatever it is, man, realize, see it from God's perspective. Don't call whatever it is going on in your life coincidence, especially the cool things, but call it Christ. And the only way you're going to be able to see it as Christ and not coincidence is if you're paddling on both sides of your board. So both sides, this side is what? What do you want me to do now? And this side is doing. And when you're doing that, you're not going in circles, but man, you're on a tour way better than I can ever lead you. We went out with Tom and Amy, we were out, just out talking on a sandbar, and it was kind of cool, man. I thoroughly enjoyed hanging out on a sandbar, but dude, we didn't see anything, I don't think. We found some hermit crabs, but we didn't find any cool stuff, but it was awesome hanging out with each other, but you never know what you're gonna find, and that's kind of the way it is with God, man. What do you want me to do now? And do it, and he'll take you down the path, and it'll be the best tour you've ever had. One more thing to say about this, you know, when I take people out on a tour, we start at one place, and because there are cars and my car's there, we go and we go, and the destination is to get back. And um, that's not really the point of the tour, is to leave and come back. That's really, that, that, that's kind of like, is a race. <laughs> all right, let's, see who can, let's race to see who can get there. But really the point of the tour is to see all the things along the way. And in life, I don't think so much it's about the destination as it is the destiny. I think as we're paddling, what do you want me to do now, God, doing it? I think he's got all kinds of cool stuff for us to see. So many times in life, I've got to where I think I'm supposed to be, and I'm like, now what, God? And he says, you missed it. It was all the stuff along the way. So man, don't call it coincidence. Call it Christ, and don't miss anything that he's put in your path along the way. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I know it's a big chapter, and we had a long service last week, and, but Father, um, I can't think of anything more important than hearing from you. Uh, Father, I'm a human, I speak, but I pray that it's your spirit that speaks your word through me and pierces each heart and brings conviction where there needs to be conviction and comfort where there needs to be comfort. Father, I pray that everyone walks out of here knowing that they have heard from you 
not me. And Father, I, I pray that we will not miss a single thing today that you have in store for us. That every single encounter we have with, with people, with situations, we would realize it's not a coincidence. It's Christ. And it's what you have designed specially for us. You're our concierge, if I said that right. You're the one who, who, who just hooks up things for us to do all day long. And you've had a plan. Ephesians tell us since be, before you ever even created us. Father, help us not miss any of these special things by writing them off as coincidence. But help us not to paddle in circles by simply just asking, what do you want me to do? Or just simply doing things we think you want us to do. But Father, I pray that we would have such a tight relationship with you that we're constantly just seeking what you want us to do. And we're constantly doing the things we already know to do along with the other things that you tell us to do. And as a servant with a master, we're pleasing you through faith because we don't really understand what's going on. We just know you're leading us and we're following you. Father, help us have the ride of our life and help us be so stoked about it that we bring others along with us. And if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, Father, I pray that they would jump on board and start paddling too by just surrendering themselves to you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.